You're wearing a sweater that was selected for you by the people in this room from a pile of stuff. Give me a full ballerina skirt and a hint of saloon and I'm on board. Mm. I think we got a little bit of echo in there. I don't know if you guys heard that, but I certainly could hear it on my end. Welcome, welcome to She Became Visible. I'm Renee Steelman, your host today. And you might feel a little deja vu uh, because today is part two of the broadcast that we had last week with our guest, um, Jackie Riedemann, and my co-host, Lila Tuller. And we just barely got started. We went over an hour and we still had just barely gotten into Jackie's life story. So we wanted to bring her back and have her share more of her story. It's what I think I love the most about Jackie's story is um, many of us who have deconstructed uh, our religion, we look back and we think, okay, we know we had cognitive dissonance. We know that there were things that just kind of, you know, in our gut, but we didn't act on it. Why didn't we act on it? Why were we so enthralled with this whole deal and just enmeshed in everything and just woven into our whole DNA that even though we felt it and we knew it, we couldn't act on it. And listening to Jackie's story really made me realize that it goes beyond just logic. It goes into our psychic. And, and, and I just, I love how she explains all of that. So we're, we're going to bring, I'm going to bring Lila and Jackie back on so I don't waste any more time so that we can definitely get into Jackie's story today. So, and it is March. It is the end of March and uh, March 26th, in case any of you are um, uh, wondering what day it is today, because <laughs> as a retired person, I have to check almost every day to remind myself what day it is. So boohoo, right? Okay. All right. Let's bring, hello, there's Lila. And Jackie, and let me get rid of that weird old image behind it that messes everything up. All right, there we go. All right, welcome. Thank you, guys. Thank you for spending another Saturday, uh, Sunday morning with me. I appreciate you taking your time out of your your day. I don't know what you guys have planned for the rest of the day. Lila, you have snow where you're at? Tons of snow. We have so much snow. It's like record. <laughs> It's record snowfall this year. Like Alta has 798 inches or something like that, which is, they just broke the record from 1981, 82. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of snow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I saw people were posting on TikTok, uh, you know, oh, hello, spring. We're so glad it's spring now with the snow coming down and whatnot. Yeah. And on yeah. the first day of spring, there was a huge storm. It was depressing. Oh my gosh. And Jackie, what have you got going on? Do you, you have, are, are your rain days over? No, we have um, atmospheric river, who knows what, coming in um, Wednesday. So oh. we have rain and more rain and more rain coming again. So like there's snow, we have 
the most river, the most water ever, beating all records. And the mountains have so much snow they can't ski because oh. mammoth and everything, the lifts are just, you can't ride the lifts because the lifts have snow up above the lifts. Oh. So it's wow. crazy. It's just crazy. Yeah. And I don't know how many of you, if you've had a chance to check out the news this morning, but I guess horrible uh, tornadoes in Mississippi and uh, just the damage is unbelievable. So uh, it, it's, it is definitely, and I don't know, I always go back to, is it really that different or are we just more socially aware of it because of our media and our 24 hour news cycle? Uh, but it's, it's definitely scary and definitely opens our eyes to what's going on in the rest of the world and makes us grateful for whatever it is. Even if we're getting a little rain and snow, we have a roof over our head and it's not lying flat, right? Like they, like they're having after this horrible well, yeah, it tornado. Does, it does <clears throat> definitely feel like 82 when I was um, counseling up above uh, in the Girl Scout camp above Park City and it snowed on the 4th oh, of July. Right. So it yeah. does definitely feel like that that summer. Okay. Okay. So yeah. that's a good reference point. It's like, we think this is like, the, I mean, people will say, oh, it's the end of the world. Look at it. Well, eh, you need to go back in history. And yeah. it was, yeah. yeah. So that's good. That's a good reference. So Jackie, um, I'm just going to remind our audience. I don't know how many of you, if any of you did not watch episode 33 with Jackie, then go back and, and watch that. But Jackie was born and raised in West Valley City, Utah as she describes the Western part of the Salt, Salt Lake Valley, which those of us that are not from Utah, that's just, I don't know where that is, but I do know that um, driving around and listening to so many podcasts, you know, people will refer to different parts of Utah, either by their county or some kind of an, you know, Cache Valley or some reference to a mountain range or something. I don't know. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking, Davis County. I don't know what you're talking about, you know. Uh, but but she explained that it was very Mormon and that they she grew up in a, a, a convert family. Um, but she was kind of the driving force behind their activity. And uh, she was kind of the leader in that home and making sure that everybody was where they were supposed to be and did what they were supposed to be doing and, and was determined to, uh, were you, would you say you were kind of a perfectionist? I'm I've always been. Yeah. I've always been a perfectionist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's yeah, like you, you don't tell perfectionist things because they will take it to a whole new level. And, uh, you know, and the fact that you were the driving force to getting your parents in the temple, you don't you hear don't that, that story. That was a good driving force though. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. It was out of sheer panic. They yeah. were like, oh no. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> and can't you see that? I remember we had a stake president when we lived back in Oregon, and he said that um his parents, he he was one of the dynasty families in this little city, right? There's always that family in whatever little city that you are. And he was the he was the dynasty king in that family. And um he talked about how his parents were not active because they were not married in the temple and they got tired of going to church and being told that they weren't quite up to par. 
Mm-hmm. And and so they kind of quit going. He he, on the other hand, you know, took it and ran with it and became stake president and the whole bit. But it's so hard when as a child, I don't even I can't even imagine sitting in primary their young women's or young men's, you know, and listening to being parents need to be sailed for time and all eternity and born in the covenant. Where did you serve your mission and all the other the other mm-hmm. rhetoric that you get? And then as a child going, OK, I got I got to. I got to make our family better so we can be together And then, you know, we got to, we got to get this act together, you know, and, and taking on that responsibility that, that you must've felt. And how old were you again? Remind us how old you were. Well, my family didn't go through the temple until I was 19. Oh gosh. So yeah. Um, but you can either take it that way or you can get really rebellious about it and say, Hey, my family's okay. But mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so one of the two ways, or you can feel very, very left out. So, which is one thing that happens too exactly. when families like that. Yeah. So, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, kind of fast forward, um, she, uh, served a mission, mm-hmm. but she was, she actually fell in love, got married, had children and had them blessed in the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, even though she was kind of rejected in her own ward. And, and I just, I think that is such a great example of how it's not even a conscious move. What would you say, Jackie? It's just what you do. It's ingrained. It's um, brainwashed. What can I say? I mean, seriously, that's what you do. It's, how do you not give that child a blessing and a name? Because what if something should happen? Then, you know, I mean, it's just, it's what you do. It's exactly what you do. Yeah. Yeah. You just keep going. You just Mm -hmm. keep walking. It's amazing. So Lila, you had some really great questions that we didn't have a chance to ask Jackie Uh, in her growing up time, in her uh, same sex attraction, you know, acknowledgement and, coming out. And there was just so many things that we we weren't able to touch on because of our time restriction. But I'm like, you know what, if we need to do a John DeLynn today, we are going to do a John DeLynn. So let's, (laughs) I mean, grab your nourishment. I've got about three beverages here, just in case this is an eight hour production. Right. Yeah. yeah. So Lila, you had some really great questions. Yeah. Just some things. I mean, you're, you're 50 something, right? I'm guessing. I turned 59 yesterday. I I, I 59 yesterday. Yeah. Oh, happy birthday yesterday. That's right. Okay. 59. (laughs) So you're almost where I am. I'm up, I'm up above you, but, um, I, how can you condense that many years down to an hour? You know, so we missed a lot of things and I was just thinking out loud to myself, um, the other day, you know, what, I was trying to put myself in your shoes as a young girl, right? Growing up in the church and your experiences and what that would have felt like. I know what my experience felt like, you know, with where I was, but that's very different from yours. And so I was trying to go there in my mind and I had some questions for you. So reach back into the deep recesses of your memory. If you can, uh, just kind of go there for a minute. Um, So a couple of questions I had, what was your very first crush on a girl? Can you remember that? And how did she respond? 
And how did that play out for you? How old were you and what happened? I didn't remember to go the right way here. Um, <laughs> I know. It's like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I know. I'm out of here. Yeah. So um, I think that it's got to go back into, I'm not, I, I don't think it was actually peer related. I'm going to say that. I'd okay. say that the um, first time I probably had a, was like many young people where you have a crush on um, an adult in your life okay. where you don't really realize that where it's a teacher or sure. someone older that. that you don't understand that it's something like that. So, um, but you didn't yeah. verbalize that. No, that. you don't verbalize it. Yeah. Inside. Yeah. And okay. And you didn't at that time, how old were you? Can you remember ish? Elementary school. Okay. Elementary yeah. school. So yeah. at that time you weren't thinking, am I gay? You, no. you were probably just thinking, I really like, yeah. I like being around that person or yeah. you maybe not even verbalizing that. No, just I do remember. I do remember in elementary school thinking what it would feel like to like kiss a girl. Mm. I do remember thinking that way back when so fantasizing about kissing girls yeah like what that would, how fun that would be yeah and getting kind be... of excited about the yeah. idea yeah. i can put myself there with boys yeah same thing now yeah. we're playing kissing tag yeah and, and we we're in first grade and things yeah okay so so that's interesting so it was before you had reached puberty mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You just this feeling inside that you you kind of thinking about girls and being attracted to them yep. okay um, when you may have mentioned this in the first interview, I can't remember for sure. When did you, your mother realize <laughs> that you were? I'm don't, I'm going to say for sure she did when I was 18. Um, it might've been, it might've been before that. Um, I don't know what she would say nowadays. But I know for sure it was the summer after I graduated high school. Did she mention it to you? Did she get angry with you? Oh, was she was it mad. a confrontation? She oh. was absolutely angry. Yeah. Angry. Did it have to do with the Girl Scout thing? Yeah, it was all to do with Girl Scouts. And she was afraid that I was gonna be gay and they were they the Girl Scouts was gonna turn me that way and my life was gonna be ruined and she right. had to get me out of that environment. We all had to go back to church, yeah. So it was the summer. It was um. It was it was when I was eighteen, after I graduated high school. But she had seen signs maybe younger that you might have. I think maybe that was part of what what absolutely made her go more ballistic than she would have just normally without anything else. Yeah, okay. maybe. And maybe. when that happened, and you were eighteen-ish, when that happened, how did you? How did you react internally? Was it a fear like, oh no, I I gotta change. I gotta, yeah. you know, be like this. Mm -hmm. Look what it's doing to my family. Look at, you know, was it like you internalized that? Like, it's me, I gotta do something. Definitely. Ah, go the wrong way. Yes, um, I definitely did. That's exactly <laughs> what you do. Yeah, I'm gonna go hide now. Was um, it, <laughs> was it a, <laughs> Was it like that a is exactly what you do. 
like, oh no, like a sphere, like how am I going to fix this kind of thing? Yeah, it's, it becomes an internal conflict. Um, your stomach, my, it was constantly in just knots. Yeah. And it becomes a fear that like there's something wrong with you, obviously. And you, you know, think back, this is the early 80s, right? 1982. So obviously there's something wrong with, there's something wrong with you. Um, there's something, every, the whole world says there's something wrong with you. There's yeah. no positive role model out there. Um, well, you have the tennis players. Who are they? It was, uh, Martina Navratilova maybe. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> and the other one that did the, um, the, the, it was the men versus the women. Billie Jean she, King. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I remember those very well. And we all knew they were gay, but it wasn't like, it was kind of cool to me. It was like, look how strong, they're like strong women. Yeah. And they don't, you know, was that not a good role model? Yes, yeah, not a like, good role model. Like that. <laughs> they're just too much. See, they're over the top. They're not, they're too, they're too much, you know, they're. they're so yeah. you didn't, you didn't look at them and you didn't look at them and go, you didn't you didn't think anything of them as a mentor or an example you were like uh yeah they're tennis players they're extreme they're extreme that that, that i don't relate to that at all exactly they weren't even part of my world in all reality because yeah. okay. like now i can okay. name them because of so many years of experience right right and the right. fact that i think that martina navratilova yesterday came out and said or day before that she's cancer free so i i can name that now but right. um uh, but at that point it was like, I wouldn't have probably even really known who they were. Um, yeah. right. you know, right. but you wouldn't yeah. have identified. Mm -mm. Okay. And so, um, now let's move forward a little bit to where, oh, I forgot to ask, what was your dad's reaction? Did he ever confront you? No. Or did he just let your mom do it? my mom super strong personality um okay. and most of the time my dad just let my mom um uh, my dad has uh, since passed away um he's been I'm gone sorry. for about 20 years right now but um yeah but um yeah my mom, no on you no it was always my, my mom okay. my mom's always ran the show <laughs> okay interesting. Still does. That's interesting. maybe you got that gene you know from her um, which is a good thing. I like it. Um, I think women, more women need to feel like they can, you know, yeah. that they have power. Okay. So when you decided to go on a mission, which is, of course, um, what year was that? I left in 1985. Yeah. 1985. That's still the time when they were saying, women don't really need to go only if you're not married kind of thing. And you don't have any prospects, then you can go. We don't really need you guys. We're more about the boys. Right. Yeah. And you're two years older than the boys that are out there. Right. Yeah. So you're 19 or 20. 21. Oh, 21. 21. Yeah. yeah. And you want to know something funny? I actually was dating a guy. And um, oh. actually came from a a, um, a legacy family. I oh. think his great great grandfather was um, I can't remember which prophet, but a prophet. Um, and I had been dating him, and we had been looking at rings. And then, oh. He, oh. I know, very interesting story. And then he broke up with me, and and he told me I wasn't active enough in the church for him. 
Uh, okay. Uh, what what were you missing? You're, I don't really know at that point. I don't know. Okay. Okay. I don't know how much more you can bed. That was yeah, but maybe it wasn't that your your family wasn't dynastic like his. So probably was the right family there. thing. Yeah, it probably was the so, family. So let me ask. Uh, this is just tell me. That's none of your business. If I ask you anything, that's not that's my okay. business. <laughs> Were I you kissing know. him? Were yeah. you? Yeah, it was. But you know what? It was really. You know, I think I cried for about two minutes, and then I was over it, and I never looked back. It so was you weren't uh, emotionally like. Connected. Not truly. Yeah. Compared, I mean, considering how, how much it looked like we were really, you know, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I wasn't that. Looking at rings and yeah. then you just got over yeah. it. You know, so you know what's interesting, oh, excuse sorry. me, Lila, just for a second. What I find yeah. interesting is because the LDS church is an American church and so many of the Christian fundamental beliefs that are touted as biblical Christian beliefs our American culture. And, you know, when you think about the, when, when I remember when my husband and I went to Israel and we were walking through a mall in Cairo and I'm watching these men holding hands, arms around each other, embracing just, this was just in the mall yeah. and women were, all the girls were hand in hand. Mm -hmm. and, and then you look, I remember my stepfather was from England and we went, when we went over to visit his family, they do that European yeah. kiss, kiss thing mm -hmm. on each cheek, you know? And, and yeah. so there's so much more physical contact yeah. and mm -hmm. even going back generations where women used to hold hands and kiss each other and, and all of this kind of stuff. And so I could see where Jackie, where you're like, look, he's a great friend. I really like this guy. Um, yeah. Kiss, kiss, whatever. And, and it, it didn't have to be a romantic thing, but culturally we were like, Oh, okay. Now we're looking at rings. I have to kiss you. Okay. Yeah. And so I could see where, it doesn't have anything to do with attraction even. It's just a cultural, oh, yes, now we must do this. It's the next step. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So and that, were that, you panicked at all about the idea oh. of marrying him? I actually, actually had a dream that it was like the wrong thing to do. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. I actually knew it was the wrong thing to do. That um, to me yeah. is your soul saying, oh. yeah, don't do this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, so many people get married. I have we have a friend that she got married and she she made her husband like get a uh graveyard job. So she never had to like sleep with him. And then they got oh. divorced. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. can't go on for too long. Yeah. Oh my God. So yeah, it was actually, know. you know, it was actually better. It was better sure. for him. It was better it for was me. Relief, I would think. Yeah. It was better for everyone involved. Mm -hmm. So, so that was around the time you decided to go on a mission. Right? Yeah. And actually I'd already been thinking about it. And, um, so that was a whole nother thing. Like he tells me you're not active enough. And I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> you're weird. So like, that is not the reason. No. And I got okay. with his family to their family cabin that they had that's been handed down for generations. And I mean, I'd gone to school with his siblings and I mean, it was crazy. And I was like, hmm. So obviously he prayed about it too, you know, and had a. Oh, sure. <laughs> obviously a patriarchal yes declaration on your worthiness right yeah. there. Okay. <laughs> okay. So as you're going out, 
getting ready to go on your mission, you have to go through these interviews, right? Prior to mm -hmm. being called. And do they ask you, I, I've never been on a mission. So I'm wondering, did they ask you in those interviews if you had um, any feelings or thoughts about same-sex attraction? They didn't ask those things, right? No, they're the same. They're the same questions you get for any temple recommend. Oh, same thing. Okay. So they're not going to ask you specifically that. Mm. So you didn't have to worry about answering lying or anything. Mm. And they, you probably had not, I'm guessing you hadn't like uh, done anything sexually that would get you in trouble or keep you from going on a mission nope. at that point. Nope. At least not, not with anyone. Nope. We're good. Okay. Okay. So, so that wasn't a problem. Then you get out on the mission and you have female companions mm -hmm. was that ever did you ever have a crush on a female companion nope or was it no no so that wasn't hard that wasn't no. like i was working too hard tempting. Oh, oh, so okay like so that, yeah that's that, so hard. talk about that a little bit because oh i think that's, i think that goes into um I think that is really good. Great for you to say that because it really goes back into where your psyche was as far mm -hmm. as you're, you're determined to be uh, uh, the best. Mm -hmm. And now you're on a mission. I'm going to be the best missionary. Mm -hmm. And so you could even separate even any kind of romantic or, or just attractiveness. It wasn't even on your mind because mm -hmm. I, I've got a list of things I have to do every day yep. from the mission um, and that's where your focus was. Yeah, definitely. That, You're wanting to be the best so you can like purge yourself of this thing. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. Okay. And not only that, but I had had a very strong, um, I knew I needed to, I knew I needed to be on a mission. There was just, I mean, call it whatever they call that emotional thing nowadays, but I call knew it, that. Yeah. Yeah, but I knew that I needed to go on a mission. I, there was just, I had a very strong um, emotional experience about this, spiritual experience, and I knew that that's what I needed to do. I didn't know where I was going to go, but I knew that I needed to go. Um, and and so I was sure that that's what I needed to do. And so okay. I, I did, and I went. And um, while I was out there, I, I worked. I worked I worked my tail off, and I worked all the time. And they called me to be a senior companion three months after being in the mission wow. field. With, I thought the mission president was off his rocker because that never happens. You know, you don't call yeah, a, a, a senior and a senior yeah. to a, a, a native speaker. I had a Paraguayan. She was a, a one of the sisters oh. in Paraguay. She was my greenie. And so um, I, I was called to be a senior companion. Um, they'd send me into the areas that hadn't had baptisms for years. Um, very, I was very, had very, very six, a lot of success, super lots of success. And I will continue to say that I have family that they're now generations. I'd say, um, we're probably on one, two, three, third, third generation of wow. people that are in our, you know, that are still members of the church. Um, yeah. people that, I, I, that joined the church while I was a missionary. So, I mean, obviously, yeah. yeah. How do you feel about that now? I'm curious. Yeah. 
you know, that you brought these people <laughs> into the, you know, cult. Yeah, I was going to ask if you'd seen the Elder Pinnegar, uh, Pinegar, forget what the, the movie, right, right? yeah, where yeah. he goes back to his mission and tells the families that he's left the church and they're like, oh, we're so, we'll pray for you, we're so sad, you know, but he saw yeah, that the church had changed their life, had made their life better and, you know, so have, have you been back to Argentina at all? We went back five years later. So we went back in 92 and I haven't been back since then. Now okay. my kids are, um, we're friends with, uh, we're, we're good friends with an, um, someone who was on our mission with us. And, um, we've, we're together, we were together at Christmas time. And, um, we've all said, we want to go back next year when wow. I turn 60 and my son turns 25 and our kids have been mom. That's one place you haven't taken us yet. Because oh. they're they're always on my case that we're going places where we speak Spanish, like we've been to Cuba and Ecuador and um, uh, Costa Rica, and oh they're gosh. like, well, we haven't been to Argentina and Mexico, and so yeah. I'm like, okay. So we said to our friend, well, let's go to Argentina next year. Jared will be 25. I'll be 60. So. We're all like, okay, so we're kind of maybe go to Argentina next year. Um, that would be cool. <laughs> um, so, but we haven't been back. Are you afraid at all? I mean, do you think, would you make an effort to hook up with some of the families oh, that you had converted? Definitely. I mean, we're friends on Facebook. So okay, they, so they know where you're at. They know where I'm at. And I got birthday wishes from them yesterday. Mm -hmm. And so they know, they, they, see, they see my family, you know, they see where I'm at. I see God. their families. Um, I'm, That's cool. I'm very much, well, you know, I write to them. Um, That's and cool. they love you. Yeah. They love you. Yeah. They love you. Yeah. You, not, yeah. not who you, uh, what role you represent. I love that. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I mean, it's that I think is one of the things I was the, the one of the last things I dealt with, like this last summer was how did I, I mean, I was feeling a lot of guilt yeah. <laughs> about bringing these people into this kind of toxic environment. Yeah. But then yeah. I was like, well, it's helped them and they, right. they have brought that for them, it's been good. So for as long as for them, it's good, then I can't say anything bad about it. Right, you know? right. And do you feel, do you feel like, and I, I remember as I was watching this, uh, the one gentleman that had talked about the fact that the church had gotten him to stop drinking. And so he was better husband and a better father. And there were some cultural things, but do you think that the reason why maybe the church works better for them because they don't have that American uh, cultural bubble over them, it's truly just a lifestyle that makes for a better family relations or something, or, or, or what do you feel like, why is it that it makes such a change in their life that it's all the other stuff that we're all harping on is like, whatever, whatever, it's Jesus, Jesus and my family. That's the most important thing. Or what do you think? I think that has a lot to do with it. I think that the eternal family aspect probably has a lot to do with it. It takes out mm -hmm. that what can be in a Latino community, some toxic masculinity uh, yeah, can, yeah. Re can remove that toxic masculinity out of the mix. Um, so I think that has something to do with it. Um, I, I think that that might have something to do with that. What I, what I worry about, especially in a country right now, like Argentina, that's going through incredibly difficult um, 
economic times yeah. is that push to pay that 10% tithing when I know oh, they yeah. can't afford it. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's my, that's my thing. Yeah. They can't afford to pay that 10% tithing. And I'm just like, and my mom and I were having this argument about the $150 billion enzyme peak thing yesterday. And so that's what kind of makes me angry right now. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. For good reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That just makes me sick actually. It just, yeah. I, we could go down that rabbit hole for a while. Well, yeah. Um, but that's um, one last question. Sorry, go ahead. So I was just going to say again, I, I think that it, it focuses on the family, which is good, gets rid of that toxic masculinity, does away a lot with the drinking and the, and the smoking yeah. and good health and, and maybe puts women right. in a little bit more equal position in some ways, gives them leadership roles, which they wouldn't necessarily have in that kind of a, a situation. And yeah, so there's some good in that aspect i think that we wouldn't yeah. see without the influence of an american-based founded church yeah i kind of think that uh it's like it's like a step it's um like for some people the church is actually a step up from where they are yeah, yeah. If they're you know addicted or living on the street or have you know whatever something really difficult or like culturally like you're talking about where it's actually a step up mm -hmm. to me it's like there's toxic masculinity in the church right so i'm like ah, i don't know about that one but for them mm -hmm. it's better than it yeah. would be without it and all the alcohol like it some cultures are they drink morning noon and night they drink mm -hmm. all day the men become a lot of them are alcoholics and the women are having to work to make money because their husbands are useless and they're just drunks. Mm -hmm. um, my, my son who served in Mongolia mm. said the same thing. He said, we can baptize women and kids all day long, mm -hmm. but the men are a, are a problem because they're all alcoholic and or, or smoke and it's very difficult to stop. So, you know, I can see how the church would actually be a benefit it mm -hmm. offers them mm -hmm. structure. It mm -hmm. offers them a way out of their, you know, whatever their toxic situation is. But then, you know, you get to where you need to outgrow the church or it doesn't fit everyone and mm -hmm. it doesn't help everyone. So right. anyway, that's another topic for another day, I think. But um, so my next question was about your mission, just simply while you were there, did you ever have an opportunity to talk to any of your um, companions about being gay? Yeah, did they actually. Ever yeah, uh, um, actually the one, um, the one that was my, she, she since passed on from cancer, but yes. she's actually the one that was, um, she was my companion and then she went to my wife right after she was my companion. And okay. she was actually one that was um, in love with the companion she had previous to me. Right. So it was you a whole big mess. Coded conversations. Yeah. So we did so have conversations. Did. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. And remind okay. remind us that did, did she ever feel close enough to you to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation? Like I'm attracted, I'm same sex attracted. Oh, or, yeah. Or really yeah. like sister so-and-so. And, mm -hmm. and, and did you ever like inside think, 
oh, I, I could come out and talk to her as well. I feel comfortable to talk to her as well. I can't remember what you said last time. Yeah. Or, or did you just did. didn't listen? Okay. We did. Um, I'm trying to think if we had those conversations in the mission field or if we had those after. conversations after the mission yeah. field. I don't remember because everything mm -hmm. kind of gets jumbled up now. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. And in the well, mission I guess field, in the mission field, I was like maybe not wanting to talk about those things as much. Yeah. Because you know you yeah. start talking about them and then that everything bubbles up. Yeah. Um, sure. But I do. I we probably I probably I, we probably did talk about it as I think yeah. about it. Yeah. yeah. Because there was so much time that I spent talking to her, trying to get her to snap out of things and get to work. Because yeah. I wasn't used to not working. Yeah. To me, it was like, I got to so, be out there knocking yeah. doors. <laughs> even then, even when you found someone that you had something in common with, you were like, yeah, 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 whatever. Did you write in your journal? Did you <sighs> pray? You know, did you do the other five things that are, that was where your focus was. That's, yeah. that's so incredible. I get it. Yeah. And, and then, you know, with that, with that desire to do everything right, you probably wouldn't have been of the mind to not only not talk about it much, but also like, was there a, cause I've heard that this is, goes on in some missions where there's like this tattletale thing where if, if, if something like that were to come up, one, one of you might go to the president and say, this sister is is gay and I can't be with her. You know, there's, there's some of that that goes on in the mission field with the boys. I know that, but if you're both on the same page, I can see how you would just kind of keep that quiet and move on with your work. Yeah. And just ignore see, for the time being. I'm always, I'm always the person that's so out of that loop of, I've never been that person, not where I work, not where I taught for 31 years, not in the mission yeah. field. I'm just the person that like hunkers down and does what needs to be done. So the mission president was always just like, send me, I was not ever that person that was in that mix. So good. that might've happened, but I yeah. wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> it wasn't what you were involved in. No. That, that's okay. a good question, Lila. I'm going to ask my daughter about that because she She's a lot like Jackie from the standpoint that she's she is she's just a get her done type person. And when she was on her mission, she was also her mission president was like, you know, if you were a boy, I'd make you district leader. You know, she was like the female, whatever they could do to make her district leader. And I would I have never thought to ask her that as as a senior companion. Did you was there a almost like what they have at BYU honor code? Uh, yeah. rat on your friends type thing. I'll have to ask her. That's a great question, especially with girls. I could, I, I never, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. I never felt, uh, I never felt like a pressure to rat anyone out. Okay. Um, you know, yeah. I just, I, my Mind own pressure, own yeah, just, it was just my own pressure to work hard and get the job done and, interesting. you know, yeah. and, um, about, um, do the work. That was just my own pressure. And it's just what I always have just done to my own self, you know. Were you really sad when it was time to go home? Did you wish you could have stayed out there for two more years? Or what, where were you at the end? No, I don't, I don't think I wanted to stay two more years. Okay. I, I think I was ready to come home. 
Um, uh, it was hard. It, and, and back then it was really hard. Uh, I was ready to come home. I'm not much of a meat eater. Oh. So being in Argentina was really difficult That's that right. way. Yeah. And right. I had had um my appendix out while I was there. Uh okay. that was a real big that was a really big thing. Um I was um I was gonna miss the people, yeah, but it, I was ready, I think I was ready to come home and finish and go into the next phase of my life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is very normal and healthy, I think. Yeah. You know, the ones that want to stay out there forever, it's like, what are you trying to avoid? Yeah. <laughs> you know, why would you want to stay here? Yeah. Okay. So moving on, you get home and how long before you and your current wife connect? My one and only wife. Um, so we got home in March. <laughs> <laughs> Only had one. We got yeah. home in we got home in March and we got together by August. Ooh, that was quick. Okay. And then how long before uh, you, you know were those actually... return missionaries, right? You gotta get home and right. yeah, you here. reconnect. Yeah. So how long before you were like living together? Well, we were both still going to school. So, but we were seeing each other all the time and she was going to BYU and I was at the U. So I was still living at home. So we didn't start. Okay. I moved down okay. with her. I moved down with her my last semester. I just finally, probably my last semester of school. So it took about a year before we were living together. And then when I moved out, when I graduated and I got my own apartment in 88, and I started teaching in um, in Salt Lake Valley. Um, that's when she moved in with me. So she moved in with you, fall of eighty eight. So when you started cohabitating, I have a couple questions about that. Were you going to church? Sometimes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes. And do you think that people in your ward knew that you were living together, and or no. did they think roommates? Yeah, no big deal. Okay, it was Wendy Watson and and uh, and what's her face that was just you know no there's nothing yeah. they're just roommates, roommates. that's right two roommates. single women in a yeah. one bedroom apartment mm -hmm. yeah right <laughs> really tight okay yeah. so then at what point did you decide to have children and because oh. you you had the babies before you got married right right because or you no. can't get married till then so we right. um we moved here to california in 1990 when okay. she graduated from byu in 89 and then she couldn't find a job in anywhere in utah or idaho so they hired both of us um down here in southern california in 1990 at the same high school mm, um nice. so we were the yeah. two for one sale that year in the same <laughs> department <laughs> So wow. we taught in the same department for 31 years until I retired. Oh, 31 um, years. That's a long yeah. time. Yeah. Wow. That's almost as long as I was married. That's crazy. So, <laughs> so you... we, I had said that I had, so we were together, we started together in 87 and we had our daughter, I had our daughter in 96. She was born in May of 96. So nine years later, you nine had years. your first child. Mm -hmm. Okay. Questions about that. 
you mentioned in the last podcast that you had a desire to have a baby. You just mm -hmm. wanted a baby mm -hmm. and your wife wasn't necessarily as excited, right? She wasn't like, I need to have a baby. She was right. just kind of like, Hey, mm -hmm. I'm along for the ride. If this is what you mm -hmm. want, but she really didn't want to, that wasn't her because you're the one that had the babies and mm -hmm. she didn't. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Correct. I wonder if that's usually, and that, that the follow-up question to that. And once again, just tell me to shut up. I have, I've always wondered this. And I think most straight people are curious about this. Is there usually a, like a one that's more masculine and one that's more feminine in a, in a lesbian relationship? It doesn't is, have to be. Doesn't have to it be. Doesn't have to be. No, I think that's okay. a, that falls back into an, a, a regular, an old kind of stereotype. I yeah. wouldn't consider, I think we both kind of like very similar in the way we look. Um, okay. Yeah. So you didn't, you didn't identify that way. It wasn't no. like I'm the girl and you're the guy. No, there's no butch fam in ours. No. Okay. Okay. There are in some, I've seen that, but yeah, I just absolutely. wondered if that was the case. Yeah, no. So then, so you're the one that has this drive to have the baby, but you don't get pregnant right away. Right. No, it was right. So two years. Yeah. It took two years. Two years. Yeah. So I wondered if she was ever like, I'll do it. You're having a hard time. I'll do it. No, she didn't really. She didn't really. She just felt like um, she didn't want to do it. No, <laughs> she didn't okay. want to do it. Yeah, she yeah. felt like there were, I don't know, there were other obstacles for her to do that. And she didn't really, didn't really feel yeah. like it. Yeah. Okay. So it was really your, your push, your drive. You wanted to bring the kids in. Yeah. And so back to the ward, are you attending down there at all as you're contemplating having a baby together? Not, not really. Not down here. No. Mm -mm. Okay. So you're not dealing with people looking at you going, how you're pregnant? What? Yeah. No. You know, no, like, how school, did this Yeah. Okay. At school. <laughs> so tell us they're about like, that. They're like, Mrs. Miss Riedemann, what's yeah. happening? <laughs> no, the lucky thing was that I was, I lost a lot of weight because I was really sick. You know, um, there was no oh. such thing as um, morning sickness. It was morning sickness all day long all for day. nine months. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I got, yeah. I, I lost a lot of weight and, um, she was not very big. <laughs> so, um, it, um, it was, and then the day I went into labor with her, Terry, Terry was gone and the kids were like, Oh, miss, something must've happened to Ms. Riedemann and, and Ms. Lajusa has to help her. Like, I don't know. There was like, she felt Ms. Riedemann fell in the shower and Ms. Lajusa had to take her to the hospital. <laughs> they didn't know you were pregnant. <laughs> It was crazy. People didn't know you were pregnant. Well, our principal did, and teachers did, right. but the kids right. were like, "I thought they would have figured it out, but apparently they were clueless." And there <laughs> yeah. had been another teacher that was unmarried and pregnant at the same time as I was, a, a couple few months ahead of me, um, and she had gotten just grief, um, and um, the principal had like really taken care of me, like one night. At, uh, back to school nights, she gotten cornered by the parents and just <gasps> ripped to shreds. <sighs> and so the principal had been what, very like careful. she's being a bad example mm -hmm. or what? Because she was a single mom. Yeah. Because she was single. Mm -hmm. And so the principal was very careful about taking care of me and in, in, in situations and not putting me in those kinds of situations. Yeah. 
So she was really, really good about that. Yeah. Was it a female principal? Mm -hmm, sure was. Okay. <laughs> yeah, of course. So and when <laughs> you're, but the kids, the students probably knew that you lived with your yeah, well, that's the thing. They knew that because there had been like an article in the school newspaper. There were a lot of couples that worked at our school that were like married and they had mm -hmm. done it. They'd done articles on, they'd done an article on us in the school oh, newspaper. Okay. It was not so like they, yeah, it was just. But it would it still was, be weird to see you pregnant under those circumstances yeah. because back then yeah. we didn't talk about artificial insemination much. Like people, no. we didn't have the internet. So people were like, would sit there and scratch their head and think, no, how did this happen? Yeah, how exactly. did she get pregnant if yeah. she's living, if she's gay? Yeah. What's so going on? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I can tell how they'd be like, what's happening? Yeah. So Jackie, do you remember timeline-wise, I'm trying to remember, it may have been earlier, but do you remember the whole Dan Quayle, um, the TV <laughs> Murphy show? Murphy Brown? Yeah. Yes. Were, was that around the same time when they it were? It was a little bit earlier, like a year. Okay. It was a couple years before. Yeah. 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 Do you remember? So that, that was the first well. time I think that it became where people were like single mother. Yeah. To destroy the country where exactly. the nation will yeah. fall. So, yeah. you know. Yeah. But I wasn't a single mom. See, yeah. we yeah. were two parents. We were co-parenting. Yeah. yeah. So it was right. a totally different That was weirder. That a child would be raised with two moms, right? Yeah. They might think, right, chaos. You know, I'd love to know what the mindset was like. Oh, but these two women—they're going to take this baby, but a single mom destroy the nation. I, that right? fabulous, yeah, fabulous uh, psychological quandary there. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. and they didn't even—I don't even think the two men having a baby thing had really gotten off the ground oh, because I no. even now that's weird you know yeah. people are like oh too far but we have we have friends who have a son the same age as ours oh really we have two sons yeah and they're men <laughs> yeah men. yeah and then we so have we have other off. friends that their son's in high school right now their their eldest is in was in Terry's wow. class this year so, so it was happening but mm -hmm. it just wasn't like broadcast like we didn't like I said, social media wasn't a thing. So you right. just didn't see it. You know, it was all kind of scandalous back then and, mm -hmm. and whispered about, right? Yeah. So I wondered how that affected you, how that affected the kids when they started, you know, being in school. How did their siblings or not siblings or classmates tease them? Were they bullied? Was there any of that that went on? We were very clear we would we would go in like when when Cassandra started well okay so our kids were totally involved like every other child here in this valley where we live yeah. in dance and sports and all that kind of good stuff and so I remember when the first things they, when our when our daughter started competitively dancing we were yeah. at one of the competitions she was five and she was in the the hot tub with her little friend and her friend said to her so who you have two moms what mom does your which mom does your hair and your makeup because <laughs> oh. you know it's like to, she only had one mom so how could this work yeah yeah that was yeah. just that was a, she couldn't figure it out and then um school was not our daughter always been very outspoken she's like we were we were on another dance 
thing because we would do these um, excursions when we go to these national things. And she, we were on this train in Northern California and she, she goes up to this little girl and she's like, my name is Cassandra and I have two moms. And if you have a problem with that, then you can't be my friend. <laughs> and that's just how she's been her entire life. That's her entire life. Yeah. So she just, that's who she is. And that's how she advocates for herself. And um, our son's a, Yes. Our son's always had his do- his sister to, you know, go and blaze the trail before him. So that's mm-hmm. always, he's never really had to. Yeah. So they weren't bullied or teased just because no. they were so blatantly out there mm-hmm. that it was like, I dare yeah. you. This is who they are. And our son is always just like, he just jokes because, you know, boys, they're different. And so like boys are like, but your mama your mama jokes, right? And he oh, just turned yeah. and, he go, and he go and he go, well, which one? You know, <laughs> yeah. and then it's like his friends. I kind of diffused it, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he kind of just turned on his head. He did get yeah. in trouble one time, but he didn't get in trouble. There was this kid at school when he was in junior high that we kind of suspect the family's from a let's say a not a very kind of like a anti diversity kind of group maybe a little bit don't like how certain kinds of tattoos and things like that to wear Mm -hmm. we'd go to certain kinds of rallies and the dad yeah don't really want to label them but pretty sure that's what kind of family they are and he would he would bother jared all the time and so that was Mm -hmm. lunch and they were he was eighth grader and Jared gone to school with this kid all his life. And one day this kid was just following Jared around and bugging him, bugging him. And Jared and his group had gone from place to place at lunch. And finally, Jared was just so mad that he just called off and just whacked him and pushed him into the bushes because he was tired of him giving him a hard time. That now, that should have been grounds for Jared to be suspended for a couple of days, yeah. right? But sure. the counselor being part of the LGBTQI community... Um, <laughs> called us and said, yeah, Jared was in every right to do what he did, and I'm not suspended him. So, so great. Yeah. Very nice. Very yeah. Nice. Do, you, do you feel like because of the culture that you were in in California that you were able to be successful versus, let's say, if you guys would have moved to Ohio oh. or, you know, something like that? Mm-hmm. So it was yeah. definitely like, well, this is an, you know, or forget Ohio. How about West Valley? Uh, Utah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that being in California was helpful. Um, but, uh, I, I'm a, where we're at in California is very, very, um, conservative. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to remind, I'm not going to, you know, yeah. that any other way. It's yeah. you're either Mormon or Baptist here where we live. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we are one of the few areas here that have, um, a Republican in our, in, as our member in Congress, right in the U.S. Congress, so oh, we, we can't. Yeah, that is different. Yeah, that's not typical California. No, so we are very, we are very conservative in this area. We can't get a, we, we, it's just crazy. So, um, yeah, being in California helps, right. but this area of where we at, we happen to find the pocket that we call Little Utah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good. that's funny. <laughs> you know what I find. Yeah. You, what I find amazing is I've, I've never heard anyone. I remember when I first read the tattooed Mormon, uh, did you, any of you read that book? Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember thinking, is that the girl uh, that, sorry, is that the, the, um, she's a convert. 
Yeah. She, is it written by her? Had tats and and nose ring and the whole nine yards. Yeah, okay. she was she okay. was uh, she was a convert and um, went out to Utah after she converted. And for some reason, President Monson found her and just made her the token. Like, look what the church can do for you, even though she's got a full sleeve. She's just gotten married and gone through the temple. And I just remember going, I just remember when I was reading it, two, two, two schools of thought was, why isn't anyone talking about the chapter that she talks about when she first got out to Utah and she would be standing in line at Cafe Rio and she would see mothers gather their children around and back off as if she was some kind of an, you know, and I said, Is any, did anybody else read that? Did, can we talk about that? Yeah, that that's what we should be talking about, you know, or, you know, or the, the other thing was Carolyn Pearson in her ghost of polygamy talking about um, when they had to leave Utah because her husband was gay mm -hmm. and they knew they had to get out of that environment. And I thought, why aren't they talking about that? This is a dangerous culture. It is not accepting. It is not loving. Yeah, it's it not. is you are shunned. You will mm -hmm. be the person in the neighborhood that people actually drive around, you know, as if you have Ebola or something. And so I, and I just remember thinking when I read that tattooed Mormon, I thought, well, she should have come to Portland. Would have been no big yeah. deal at all. You know? So the fact that, but she was made such a token, you know, in Utah. Oh, but look, she's, oh, she's found the way. Yeah. 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 They love no, to I fight someone, you know, that's a little off, you know, like, remember the whole I'm a Mormon campaign? Uh -huh. That's yes. what it was. Find, you know, these people that look worldly, but they're Mormon. See, yeah. we're normal. We're just like everyone else. No, yeah. we're not. And, that's, yeah. and then and <laughs> yeah. they proceed to shame everyone else. You know, it's like they, they'll they they'll invite the token person, but that's all. You know, they, it right. doesn't extend beyond that. Yeah. Well, so... No, because when um, I, my mother-in-law passed away in October, but when we would go to um, Cedar Hills to visit, yeah, um, and stay with them. And I wear tank top and shorts nowadays, and I have two tattoos. Woo, two. But oh, no. um, I'm wandering around. You're and, a lacquer. Move it up here, Jackie. Get on the way out. So, um, but I'm wandering around in, you know, Utah Valley with my tank top and my tattoo showing. And, and people are like, wide birth, you know. Oh, uh, it's like I yeah. have, I don't know, COVID disease. times COVID. 10, right? I mean, yeah, yeah it was, and, and they don't know anything else about me, but I've got, ta I've got tank top and I've got two tattoos. So, yeah. Check, check. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so with all of that, okay, with your, your tank top and your tattoos and everything, was your mother and father still living when you did all of that? And when you had the babies? Were they, yeah, they were my, living, yeah right? my my parent, my dad, my mom is still alive. She lives in okay. family okay. home in West Valley City. I talked to her yesterday. Um, she's still, she's 80 years old. I love my mom. She's great. Um oh she's um she's still there uh my was sister she was with you at that point like anything you did whether it was having a baby you know, with you know artificially or if it was getting a tattoo or you know my mom my mom is my mom you know how moms are <laughs> she's like yeah. she's like and she's not like you know she knows i'm gonna do what i do now and i'm you know i'm she's not much gonna say much to me anymore she loves you anyway <laughs> Right. She still loves you. She doesn't yeah. shame you. Right. She doesn't 
guilt on you and all yeah. that. Yeah. I just wonder how that went down. My know? sisters tell me that I'm the I'm the chosen child now, and I'm like, yeah, all right. <laughs> really? <laughs> so, so you have so you have sisters? Two. Two younger. Two sisters. And are they straight? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they've been accepting with of Pre- you from Yeah, everybody's been life? good. Yeah, um, Terry's family too. Uh, Having the kids was actually really a good thing. Mm -hmm. Having the kids actually like brought. Gave you a common bond. Yeah. Oh, well, you're a mother. Yeah, it was actually really good. Um, It was, it was actually very, very nice. And um, so my parents or actually my dad was just a really good grandfather. He was really an awesome guy. Um. He, he passed away really young. He was only 60. Um, so, yeah. And Terry's dad, we lost Terry's dad that same year, too. We lost oh. him in January. He was he was 60. And we lost my dad in April. He was 60. They both passed away oh. the same year. Wow. So, yeah. My husband died at 60 as well. Yeah. yeah. So, young. Yeah, too young. Yeah. So, um, Jared was three. Yeah. So it's been, yeah, it's been a while. So, um, but they, but having the kids brought, especially Terry's parents who were a little bit more, um, at that point, a little bit more active in the church, a little bit more traditionally Mormon, a little bit more reticent about Terry and I having, um, the kids really brought them to be more, um, more accepting. Yeah. So that was good. Because even toward the even toward the end, Karen, my mother-in-law, would still introduce me as "This is my daughter Terry. This is my granddaughter Cassandra. This is my grandson Jared, and this is Jackie." <laughs> and then I'd have to say, "Hi, I'm Terry's wife." <laughs> you had to explain it because she couldn't bring herself to explain it. She couldn't say it. Couldn't come out. Just couldn't come out. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so even at the end, roll your eyes at that, right? One of those things, you know? <laughs> so, okay. Here, I'm moving on. Okay. Um, Not that we, I mean, we could talk all day about all, any of these things, but um, in 20, I think you mentioned in 2015 was the turning point for your son, his belief. Mm-hmm. What happened? What, what was the thing that. The policy him? of exclusion. Yeah. That How was did it. you hear about it? Do you remember? I think it was just, I, I think it was probably well, just. Was the line. Yeah. Okay. It was a leaked thing. It wasn't. Yeah. Like, it was a leaked okay. thing and it blew up yeah. over the internet. Right. Okay. Right. So probably because we all, you know, we're all, I mean, we're all in, but we're still connected to church things via the internet and all of that stuff. So I, we heard about it on the internet and then we started talking about it and then he was like, well, that is not going to fly with me. And that was it. That was the last time he was like, well, I'm just done. Um, that was it. That was yeah. Yeah, there's no way. I mean, and and at that point, he had just recently said maybe he would have the missionaries come and he would look into having the discussions and being um, being baptized. But at that point, it was like, what? Why? You know? And yeah. Then, yeah. Why? Yeah. And then and after he that, he had to do all those things. He would have had to. Um, <gasps> 
disavow you yeah and your right his mother yeah because in 2015 he was 16 yeah he turned 16 in 2015 so yeah. yeah so he couldn't have he couldn't have been baptized anyway no, so that's when he was 18 and then yeah. he would have had to do that mm -hmm. so, if it lasted that policy didn't last well i guess it lasted three years yeah but so so when this was happening were you were you watching like mormon stories or or reading anti Mormon literature or anything? No, at that time I wasn't. I I just barely gotten into this. My daughter's been doing this for longer than I have, and I've kind of been a little bit more reticent. Mm -hmm. Um. So, but um, then when that came out in November, and then on Valentine's Day in 2016, then you were disciplined, right? They had the disciplinary courts for both of us and disfellowship both of us. So, talk a little bit about that because I. I'm trying to, I, for some reason, I can't get this to come up. Can you see, can you see that? Can you see that? Nope. We okay. see nothing. You see nothing. You guys. Okay. You guys. Well, hello. We see you guys. All right. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll just get away. We'll get away with that. So, so okay. Anyway, but, I, but explain a little bit about how, you know, as I mentioned, you have these babies you're, um, you haven't been able to legally get married yet, but you have these babies blessed in a church that, um, and I don't even remember, actually, I don't feel like in the 90s, we really heard a lot of over the pulpit, anti-gay things. I think the church was still trying to pretend like there were no gay people in the church, Brother Bednar. And I, I think they were still kind of thinking that this is an outside worldly problem. We don't have that problem in our church. We're just going to talk, yada, 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 you know, we're going to pretend like this doesn't exist. And, um, but, and so you're kind of going to church, not going to church, show up once in a while. Remind me, did you guys have callings? No. When you were, no. Okay. So you're just kind of visiting once in a while mm -hmm. and you have the babies blessed in your parents' ward. So it wasn't even mm -hmm. in the ward that you're, you know, but so like intuitively you're going through this rote action that you've just been kind of, you know, pulled along and, and, um, but then finally to, to uh, say that again, conditioned to, yes. to, to be, to, to do. Yeah. Total <laughs> robot. And so 2008 comes Finally, there's more and now. Now this has become a you know prop eight. Uh, even though me and my little sheltered life, I'm not. I don't even know. I don't live in California. I don't know what prop eight is. I don't know what people are talking about. And you're, but you're legally able to get married. You you get married quickly, and then in and so you're just you're still kind of humming along. And then in 2015, this policy comes into effect, and so all of a sudden. You've got someone saying you will be excommunicated. I, I don't know what they call I know they pretended like there's a nice loving word for it now, um, but disfellowshipped with absolutely no merit besides the fact that you are a same sex couple ma legally married. Correct. That is the only thing we need. We could go through the roster of That's membership possible. in the ward. Yeah, you've been arrested for drunk driving, you've been arrested for. Um, uh, you sexual, know, violence, assault. Yeah. sexual assault, domestic um, violence. Yeah. That's the word I was looking for. Domestic violence, all of that. Nobody's going through the list going, Hey, I just saw, you know, uh, John Smith was arrested the other day. It's like, Oh, we got to work on him. We got to, we got to ho hope to fit nothing. 
suddenly there's a policy. They will go through the list of members, check, check, check. So talk a little bit about yours and Terry's excommunication, whatever they want to call it. it was, what do they call it now? Court of, but it's a, it's a court of love, right? I mean, or yeah. whatever they call it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So how did that happen? I mean, you're, you're just living your life. Did you get a letter? Well, you remember this is in ref. This is in um, this is in re reference to the 2015 Supreme Court ruling that made marriage equality in all of the United States. So they got to do something, right? So they they got to do something. They right. got to do something because now they can't have it be good. Because right. heaven forbid, right? Right. Right. So they can't have everybody believe that they're okay with that. So not only does the marriage equality ruling come down in June of 2015, but now in November of 2015, you've got the policy of exclusion, which includes that, you know, now that um, being gay and married is the equivalent of, a, of being a murderer. Basically, it was the same. I think that was the only other thing that you automatically got excommunicated for, right? Yeah. And then, um, so yeah, so we got letters and... Um, um, and we got them set for February 14th, Valentine's Day. Huh. I remember that. Love. And that's, it's like they did that on purpose. I mean, how, how in, in insensitive, insensitive. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they're both it's, the same day. Yeah. I just, and so I was like, I'm not even going, it's not even worth my time. I said, let's have a party. I, I think I said this last yeah, time. I said, we're yeah. going to have a party. So we went to our friend's house and we invited a whole bunch of people to come to our party. And I that said, I'm great. not going. And while we were at the party, the missionaries came. Remember I said that? Right. <laughs> That's my favorite part of the story. I love that. Like, tell me, tell me there's not that the, the universe doesn't have a sense of humor. I know. My <laughs> so friend invites him in because that's how he is because he's he's ex-Mormon and he invites him in. Oh, I'll just come like, on in. Come on in, boys. Yeah, <laughs> sits down and talks to them. And then our my wife leaves with our good friend and she actually went to the hearing and our friend mm -hmm. went with her and mm -hmm. I was like mm, not happening and at first I wasn't even going to write a letter I was just like you know just don't even dignify it with a response with my time right but then yeah. I started thinking no because it, you know I come from pioneer stock you know my 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 ancestors helped build the Salt Lake Temple the Manti Temple Brigham Young told them where to settle um this is you know I deserve to at least have some voice in my membership so i sent a letter and and then that's where it's that's where it stood since 2016. it's so so you're not excommunicated no not excommunicated and you didn't resign no not yet <laughs> not okay. yet so okay. if they disfellowship you then your name is still on the records on and the they rolls can count mm -hmm. on the rolls and they can count you in that we Sneaky. can completely shun you, but we can count you in our numbers when we stand up next weekend and give a false report. There. Okay, I love that. What did Terry, when she came home from her, because she attended her disfellowship, was she just a mess? Or did she tell you, you know, what? That. No, so it wasn't, it wasn't, it, it didn't really break her heart or there wasn't anything. I don't know. Okay. I have to have her tell you. I don't know. She doesn't really, she didn't really talk much about it. Okay. 
I can't imagine sitting there and being told that God's not happy with you or you don't under, you know, we'd, we'd love, we'd love to not have to do this, but God specific. And I always love it when they say, as Jesus, you know, as Jesus said, and I'm like, where exactly in the new Testament does it say that? I don't remember yeah, right. reading that, but, yeah. um, or, or what I love the reference that they have to, um, the scriptures, they'll always say found in the scriptures. And I'm like, yeah. you mean those ones Joseph Smith wrote? Yeah. Or yeah, the ones that, that yeah, that have been, you know, archaeologically verified? Oh, or which one are these yeah. scriptures? What, you know, yeah, what are we talking about here? Yeah. yeah. So that was the end. Your son was uh, just like, I'm done. I'm, I'm done. done. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously, Cassandra was and done your daughter, a long time ago. Was she out? She's, she's done. Now I ask her if you're so done, cause she's like totally into she's, she's for years. She, she listens to all, all the John Dolan stories. She's okay. She does all the, she does all that. Um, she knows all the stuff. Yeah. She she's, been, she's out. She's, but I say, why don't you take your name off the rolls? Yeah. Cause mm -hmm. she's got baptized and she's hasn't done it. And I don't know what, why she hasn't done that yet. Interesting. But she hasn't done that. Everyone yet. has a different, you know, experience with that. Some are like, no way, I'm not leaving. That makes it too easy on them. You know, they'll have to push me out. Mm -hmm. Other people are like, I'm out of here. I don't mm -hmm. want to be associated mm -hmm. in any way, shape, or form. That's me. Mm -hmm. I want to just leave. But I, you know, I think it's different for everybody, and there's no one right way really to do it. But I I wanted to ask you. You know, you're not a believer, right? You, you, not, I think it's a bunch of hogwash nowadays. Okay. <laughs> so what was your reason, besides the fact that they're not LGBTQ affirming, what is your, what was the breaking point for you and your faith? Um, oh, it's the simplest thing. I went to my 40th reunion at, for high school this last summer. And I had a graduating class of 500. And mm -hmm. at my 40th reunion, there were 23 of us, I think 23 of us. Wow. And um, we had, and the reason that we're, and, and I couldn't figure out why we're only 23 of us out of 500 go to our reunion. Mm -hmm. And it was held on the upstairs of a bar in Salt Lake, in West Jordan. And um, I, I had a really good time. So I, some, most of everybody that was there, I didn't hang out with, but there were a couple of people that came just to see me, which was really nice because uh -huh. I was coming from far away. And, yeah. um, and then I found out that I went, I was like, why didn't anybody come? And my friend, he said, well, my wife won't come because it's at a bar. And I was like, Oh, I forgot about that. And <laughs> so then I go and I said to my mom and my sister, I'm like, what is this? My people wouldn't go because it was at a bar. And my mom was like, oh yeah, my 60th reunion, we couldn't have it at this one park because they would serve, they could serve alcohol at this park. So we had to have it at another kind of park where they wouldn't serve alcohol. And my sister said, oh yeah, my 30th reunion, we couldn't have somewhere because they could serve alcohol there and nobody would go if they would serve alcohol. So I decided it wasn't just a my class thing. It's a definitely a Utah thing. And, Utah. I, went, and I went, it's a cult. If you can control where you have re class reunions and if people are not, will go, 
it's a cult. And honestly, that is something that like totally just, I don't know why it was so simple. That's it. random. That's like it's out like, of nowhere. Just kind of just kind of hit me out of nowhere. I'm like, yeah. Oh, After God. everything you've gone through, <laughs> that was the final straw. I can you believe I've, it? I've been disfellowshipped. Uh, they don't accept my marriage. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Wait, we can't have I'm, a reunion because it's in a bar. I am out of here. <laughs> I know funny. it's so random, right? They don't accept my kids, you know. I mean, like, yeah. so random. And then I went, that's it. And then I started reading. Okay. And so when uh, I was okay. a kid, when I was a kid, I wanted to read No Man Knows My History by Fawn Brody. So I picked it up and I went, oh, no wonder they didn't want me to read this when I was 15. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, she lays it out really clearly. That though. was the end of it. Then I was done. Yeah. Okay. So that I was really curious what it was because sometimes for people it's a long, slow descent yeah. and, mm -hmm. and they don't really have an event that happens that makes them go, you know, breaks the shelf. Other people, it's a thing, you know, it's one thing. Somebody says something they're like, that's it. I'm out. I'm done. And they never look back. So it's interesting. I love hearing that story from you know anyone's perspective because it's so different for everyone yeah. so that's a good one i've never heard um that one, that's a good <laughs> one. it's a cult it's, it's a cult i'm done yeah <laughs> yeah interesting i like that um okay um so i already you know there's some of these that i feel like you've answered already um oh and i was gonna okay. say i went my son's been down he's He's been at a rave in San Bernardino. He's supposed to be home today <laughs> so that we can go out for a late birthday dinner for me. But um, so we went for a hike the other day and something came up and he went something about being Mormon. And I said, you still identify as being Mormon, even though you haven't been baptized or anything. And goes, well, yeah, culturally, mom. I'm like, oh, OK, I get it. So isn't that really strange? And I yeah, have a lot of people do that. They're like, do that. This is my know. culture. These are my people. And I'm like, I don't feel that way. I feel like they were for a while until I learned what was really going on. And now I've disavowed, you know, speaking of disavowing, <laughs> I've disavowed that, you know, that is not my culture. They are not my people. I am not affiliated, nor do I want to be. I don't hate, I mean, my kids are in the church, right? I love my kids and I'm not going to, and I don't even talk about it to them because yeah. it will just strain our relationship. Yeah. Right? The main reason. Okay. Here's a question for you. If you could tell straight people one thing to help them understand you better, or just any one thing you would like, just love all straight people to hear, what would you tell them? Wow. That's a good question. Um, wow. There's so many things I think I would have said over the years, but now those things aren't the same. It can um, be more than one thing. <laughs> you could say more than one thing. I think it would be um, just don't don't judge. I mean, don't judge and accept. You just, you just can't judge 
people are just people. And, you know, you didn't, right. I mean, don't judge, be, you didn't choose. Um, I mean, my, my classic thing is always, when did you choose to be straight? So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, LGBTQI yeah. people don't choose either. So right. don't judge and um, just be understanding, especially for the youth. I mean, especially for the youth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good one. I like that. Um, don't judge. Basically, yeah. it's like stop with the judgment thing. Quit it. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Um, okay. Here's another one. Knowing. Wait, I better not do that. I'll wait till the end for that one. Um <laughs> Okay, how did it feel for you? Oh, no, no, here's this one. What was the hardest thing or things you endured as a young person once you knew you were attracted to the same sex? What was the hardest thing you had to endure? Oh, when I was young? Mm -hmm. That absolute feeling that it was wrong, that you were, that there was something innately wrong with me and yes. that society that society didn't accept me that i was that i was accepted. wrong yeah that i wasn't good yeah especially I mean, I, being I, the old i'm sorry jay i'm sorry Lila. i was just gonna say okay. especially being the oldest in your family mm-hmm. having two little sisters mm-hmm. a strong there's a strong female presence in your family mm-hmm. and you've got to set that example mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you've got you know, first, first child, um, you know, you've got a strong mother, you've got a lot of pressure in that area. Then you've got the church teachings on top of all of that. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Uh, uh. Yeah. So there's something innately wrong with me and I was broken, you know, basically broken. Yeah. yeah. I was Just broken. that feeling because you don't know how to fix that, you know, yeah. like there's no handbook. There's nothing right. to tell you how, so it's like this awful, I can imagine just this black cloud hanging over you. Like, I'm well, you not can't, right. And you couldn't talk about it because it was oh, so yeah. wrong. It was so broken that you right. couldn't talk about it. Right. Unless you could find someone else like you. And then it was like, oh my gosh, let's talk about this because finally someone understands me. I can imagine yeah. that would be so therapeutic. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. What? This is kind of rhetorical. Okay. Did you, so with those feelings, did you have like a self-hatred or like, um, did you feel like you couldn't accept you or did you always know deep down inside, I'm a good person and God loves me. I don't care what all these people think. That's a really good question. I don't think I ever did it. I don't think I ever felt a self-hatred. Because I never turned to the alcoholism and the drug addiction and the this the, the bad behavior, yeah, the self harming behavior, yeah. um, depression, so might- yes, yeah. depression, yes, but the other like bad behavior, the the self harm behaviors, no. So I would have to say that basically I must have believed that there was some, I have self worth, but um, you- also I overachieved. I had to Uh, be doing something. Right. Right. So did you have any therapy for this? Was there ever? No. Okay. Mm -hmm. You're on your own completely. Yeah. 
And so I can see how overachieving is, would be considered a really healthy thing. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, I'm doing good things yes. with my life. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing bad things. Right. I can see that. I mean, yeah, mm -hmm. that's probably what a lot of people do mm -hmm. is they double down and try to be ultra good mm -hmm. perfectionist, you know? Mm -hmm. um, okay. And with the people that I've worked with in like affirmation and things like that. Um, yeah. There was a lot of that. A lot of people were like the high achievers that did everything mm -hmm. that were like the bishops and the presidents yeah. and the super performing people. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So would you say that after, when did you start with affirmation? 1992. So I don't know, 1992, 28-ish. Okay. This is after you're involved with your wife. Yeah. This is after we moved to California. Okay. That's when you started. And that was, is that a church sponsored thing? No. Uh -uh. It, it's not. It's just secular. No. Now it's okay. more, this current, this current, like if you look at affirmation now, it's more tied to the church, but back in the day, no, it wasn't at all. Okay. Well, you know how we talked about before the church likes to take positive programs mm -hmm. and absorb them and create and make them their own somehow mm -hmm. better. Isn't right? that funny how they do that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's awful. Okay. So that was one place besides your, your friends in the mission that you identified with. And then your, your wife, maybe wasn't your wife yet, but you guys were together and you knew, you know, you had your support system there with her mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and some friends and some people, right. Um, if you, and this is kind of like my final question. Okay. Cause I think this is, this is what I ask myself too. And I think it's appropriate here. Knowing what you know now, mm -hmm. what is something you would go back in time and tell your younger self if you could? I would go back and tell myself that it, that you don't have to be perfect, that you can be yourself, that you can live an authentic life without hiding who you are. Um, and be happy without, and it's all going to work out anyway. And, and you're not broken. Yeah. And you're not broken. Yeah. At all. Yeah. Not at all. Like yeah. this is how God made you. <laughs> this yeah. is actually yeah. a beautiful thing. I mean, and that's and what it's I gonna, and, it, and it's going to work out, you know, it's going to work out and you don't have to worry about it because it'll work out. Yeah. That's beautiful. I love that. I think that's, that's, yeah, I think that's so important to, to realize you have two healthy children, psychologically healthy, physically healthy, uh, doing well, um, contributing back to society. Um, you have a good relationship with your spouse. I don't know a lot of heterosexual couples that can claim that. And I, I loved uh, Pete Buttigieg just put a post on and he had a picture of, of his uh, husband and their baby. And he just said, you know, one thing I can tell you, you're never going to find any um, uh, back skeletons in my closet. I'm paraphrasing. But basically, you're never going to find any stories of me being with a hooker or any of the stuff that, that you know, they're finding all of these other people that are running for political offices, you know. And you see that so often. People that have been together for 38, 45 years, um, 
they're they're yeah. very you know it, they're very true to each other true to their spouse they have successful families and the just the hypocrisy of of saying that these this is not the family you know that god would want to see I'm like let me start naming the families that god would not like to see and they're all heterosexual families abuse cheating uh like you say domestic violence all of that kind of stuff and it's just so hypocritical and Especially like you said, I remember when you when you talked about having that infatuation with the teacher. I remember being in love with my sixth grade teacher, Mr. Myers. <laughs> I was just, you know, I was just like, oh, you know, <laughs> and I remember the last day of school, he brought his girlfriend and I was devastated. Yeah, I was like, well, there you go. I'll never <laughs> get married. Mr. Myers has a girlfriend, you know. And to to not to deny that that was just who I knew I was, I was attracted to men, I was attracted to boys. And for people to deny that that's just who you are mm -hmm. is the most backward, just insane way of thinking in this day and age, knowing what we know. Like you said, Jackie, I don't know. Have you ever been attracted to a woman? No, I would never have been. Well, then shut up you know, because you don't know who you are. And I, I just think if we started looking at more and more of these wonderful, beautiful families, I remember listening um, to, forget what his occupation was, but he was addressing a political uh, scenario. I don't remember whether he was addressing Congress. He might've been doing something for uh, to getting the same-sex marriage thing passed, but he just listed. He said, we're taking on all of, all of your children. We're adopting your children. Right. And it was it was just beautiful, you know. It's like the dysfunction that these people are willing to take these kids that are coming from complicated home lives and making them their own. And it's just it's just ridiculous. And I just wish people could understand that even though you were indoctrinated, even though you were brainwashed and and all of the other cult like behavior, at some point you had to be true to yourself. Mm -hmm. And and with such success and love, I think that's the biggest thing is you didn't go about it with anger. You went about it with success and love and just like confidence. Yeah. It's the biggest thing. Yeah. Well, that's thank you. Thank you. Yeah. That's the big thing. You know, I mean, people that are gay and lesbian that have families, you don't just have them accidentally. Yeah, that's, that's true. You don't have them by accident, you know. So it takes planning and, yeah, money. <laughs> it took money. I but, love know. that. <laughs> I love that, Jackie, that you said when, when a gay and lesbian family decides to have children, it's not by accident. It's no, but you accident. didn't have to get married, right? There was no, mm -hmm. no uh, gunshot uh, on all of that. <laughs> Uh, that's Not beautiful. Even. I love that. It's a choice. Yeah, it is a choice. We're going to bring these children in and we're going to make them successful. We're going to create a world for them. Yeah. 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 So I think it's great. And, you know, I just, when you, if you look back, if I've read some books that have been helpful for me to dis, uh, to get rid of my internal tapes from the church. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Sapiens is one of them, another mm -hmm. one, Sex at Dawn, um, where they, you know, you look at the history of, of humans. Mm -hmm. This is not something new. This is mm -hmm. not something abnormal. This right. is part of 
normal uh, development of the human race, not everyone's hetero. Hello. And we're not meant to be all hetero. Right. There is a balance in this and there's a reason for it. And we need to stop trying to force the round pegs into the square holes Mm -hmm. forever. Just let it go. I wish I want to just like shake Dallin A. Jokes and just say, stop this rhetoric. Just stop it. It's so harmful. It's so harmful. And then you wonder why kids are killing themselves. You wonder, my own father gave a talk in conference, 1981, I think it was, saying that it was a choice, mm. it was a sin, yeah. that if you had um, healthy, you know, righteous parents, you wouldn't want to be gay. Right. He made mm. it like people chose this, right? Yeah. It was an act of rebellion that they yeah. wanted, to, you know. And think how old I was in 81. I was 17. I was yeah. dealing with this in 1981. Yeah. I know. See? And what happened was my dad actually, before he died, quite a bit, maybe 10 years before he died, a family, a, a woman emailed him and told him that her son had listened to my dad's talk on, I don't know, on the internet, I guess had listened to that talk from 1981 mm-hmm. and had killed himself. <gasps> oh my gosh. <sighs> and that was devastating for my dad to hear, of course. Bet, yeah. I caused this. Mm. And you know what? He, he just, at that point, he said, I was wrong. I was absolutely really? wrong. Wow. Yeah. And he told that woman, he said, I am so sorry if I could take those words mm-hmm. back. I would, I was telling, I was speaking the words that I, that everyone was saying back then, you know, right. he said, I thought I was saying the right thing. Right. And he goes, I know better now. And, you know, I'm so sorry. Of course he couldn't bring this child back. It, it's, no. it's so devastating and they just don't seem to care. No. The fallout is like, they ignore it. Oh, it's the altitude. That's what they're saying. Yeah. All the, yeah. all the people that, that died after or, you know, by suicide after the 2015, um, what do you call that? Exclusion. Uh, exclusion policy. Yeah. yeah. Policy of exclusion. Policy. Big mistake. Yeah. <laughs> Big mistake. And all these people died because of that. And they attributed it to the altitude, but it makes people depressed. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, right after you said this, all of a sudden the altitude kicks in. I don't think so. Yeah. And then so they can change it. But the bad thing that the, the harmful part is they said it was God. God mm-hmm. told it. There you yeah. go. That's yeah. the bad thing right there. Yeah, they when attribute it to this God. higher power. They throw God under the bus, basically, for their own their own prejudice and their own toxic hatred. And they put it in yeah. God's lap. Let let me read this to you when they when they made the policy change. They said the children of parents who identify themselves as lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender may now be blessed as infants and baptized in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints without first presidency approval, President Dallin H. Oaks announced Thursday morning, April 4th. In addition, the church will no longer characterize same-gender marriage by a church member as apostasy for purposes of church discipline, although it is still considered a serious transgression. 
And I just find that hilarious that they had to come come back and say, uh, well, okay, yeah, oops. And and the funny thing is, if you listen to um, Mike on LDS discussions when he's talking about failed revelation, That's and I and yeah, and I love the idea that he actually compared the blacks in the priesthood. Um, there was an interview done by, uh, and you mentioned, uh, no, it wasn't you, Lila, it was uh, Martine. Uh, Legrand Richards and Legrand Richards had made a statement, which I think he thought was just kind of off record and somehow it became on record and he was very upset about it. But he talked about the the how the blacks in the priesthood came about, how President Kimball handled oh, yeah. it, how he brought the 12 together. And then if you listen to President Nelson talk about how the um, exclusion policy, he followed that that almost word for word trying to make it out like it was a revelation that all of the 12, all 15 mm -hmm. agreed. It was almost verbatim at what, what Kimball had said. He created it. And then to have to go back and, and change it is just, but you know, I posted something about it three years ago, how miraculously this thing changed and people did, that's line upon line. It's current, oh, current please. revelation. Oh. They just, you know, and it's like, I, I have a hard time, but I go, hey, I was right there. I was right there. I didn't even, I didn't know the details. I was just following my leader. And I remember going, yeah, that's probably better for the family. I mean, we don't want those poor kids feeling bad about their parents. Mm. Yeah, that's probably a good thing. So I didn't know anything about it. Like I said, I didn't even know about Prop 8. I didn't even, I just was raising six kids and doing what I was told to do. And, 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 and it wasn't part of what, Lila? You were busy. You were really busy. Yeah, yeah. Which is what busy. they love. That's yeah. what they do. They keep you exactly. busy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and so I'm so pleased though, Lila, to hear you tell the story of your father yeah. doing yeah. apologizing. What? Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Amazing. I mean, the narcissism in the current leadership is just disgusting. It's yeah. awful. They can't even yeah. say they're sorry. They can't say they made a mistake. Can't do yeah. it. Oh, it was God this time. It was God this time. God changed his mind. What can yeah. we do? We can throw God under the bus. Yeah, exactly. Throw God under the bus. I mean, God every is time. Guy. It's just they do though. Instead yeah. of instead of taking ownership, they will throw God under the bus. I mean, that is yeah. how obvious is that that yeah. they don't care. They don't care about God either. I mean, they'll just throw him under. Right. It's, it's pathetic. But you know, I mean. This is when, when the Prop 8 thing came out. I had a daughter living in California at the time, and she was t given a date mm -hmm. to be on the corner holding yep. the sign. Mm -hmm. Yes, and she was torn up about it. She was. She yeah. called me and said, Mom, I don't want to do this. I yeah. did not write about this. This is like making me sick inside. And I said, right. don't do it. Don't go. Yeah. yeah. Mom, get it. There's so much pressure coming from It was hard, yeah. Yeah, the words were told what corner to be, what time. And then you were also told to donate. And we saw the donation, the money donations. We saw people that we saw people that supposedly like loved us and the amount of money that they donated to the prop eight. Oh. We could see the list, the amount of money that they donated to the, the campaign. Terry's own so grandmother called made phone calls for donations. I mean, it was it was insanely difficult. It was it was insanely difficult. And again, did, that was when Cassandra she, 
walked up and said, why are you doing this? And that was the, pro- yes. that was the question because the prophet, this is what the prophets have told, the prophet is told telling us to. And I'm like, who was oh, the prophet? Was that Monson then? When Monson was, was the prophet, but Nelson yeah. was in control. Yeah. Yeah. Monson yeah. Not, not quite there. there. Yeah, yeah. Not there. Yeah. But I mean, so, then that's just like sheep, you know, to slaughter. Yeah. I mean, can you not think for yourself whether this is right or wrong? Yeah. I mean, they're supposed to stay out of politics, right? right. They're not supposed right. to get involved. And then to ask for money on top of it, like they don't mm-hmm. have enough already. Yeah, where yeah. yeah, that's a whole nother podcast as well. There's, you know, there's just so many things, the more you delve, it's amazing how that rabbit hole will lead you in different on different paths. Like, I've really gotten into um, just the um, science of emotion. Yeah. And I just read, listened to a podcast yesterday, which I'm gonna, I'm gonna totally download this book uh, about it's called awe what the, what the emotion of awe is Mm -hmm. and how rituals people, he, he mentioned how even just folk dancers after dancing, doing a dance where they're all doing the same movement and they've got the music and it's all something that they love after they're done dancing, they'll hug, they'll cry. Mm -hmm. There's so much emotion because there's a shared feeling that goes on with music, how strong music can bring back a childhood memory, which creates emotion. Endorphins too. Yes. Right. Dopamine or something. Yeah. One of those. So you find that, I I don't know if you guys have experienced this, your kids go to, especially for youth, they come back, they're on this high, the music, the camaraderie, the rituals. Yeah. And then a week and a half later, they're back to, you know, sneaking out of the house and stealing your car. But for a while there, you know, just, yeah, just mentioning that for a friend. I don't know if I'm not saying I have any experience in that, but. Uh, you know, but they had that emotional experience, which they contributed to a feeling from the Holy Ghost. Right. Or Correct. A, a confirmation, you know. Um, that's what they're told it is. That's what they're told. But it's more of that group energy that, yeah. I mean, you yeah. can, I was a performer in my life. I danced and I played, I played the violin and, and, and also I backpacked with groups and you could get that. What did you not do? Yeah. <laughs> I could get You're you could amazing. get that backpacking or hiking to a sunrise hike with a group of people and watching yes. the sunrise oh, yeah. over a mountain. I mean, but you know, dancing, performing an incredible performance will give you that same high with a whole group of people, and you know you've performed them a number to like a you've just done your best. You go backstage yes. and you just erupt in tears because yes. you know you've done your best. Yeah. Yes, it's the same feeling, same exact thing. same feeling. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, girls, yeah, but that was a lot of years ago, (laughs) but I, I, yeah, that, that is, that is amazing. And I'm so Lila, thank you so much for leading this discussion and Jackie, for you being so vulnerable and sharing. Thank you. You're welcome. for being honest. Yes. And yeah. And one of the things, you know, as we bring more female voices into into this medium. I really hope that we somehow touch someone to um, just be so happy with who they are, just be comfortable with who they are and, and feel, you know, that you have the strength. We're giving you permission today. Today, you are being given permission to be yourself and to, to be uh, your true self and to act on that, whatever that might be to become visible and to stand up and, and take your own worth back. So Thank you so much, ladies. It's been so great. 
I don't know if there's going to be a part three, but somehow I feel like <laughs> somewhere along the line there's going to be. So, <laughs> you right. guys, I would say go out and enjoy the rest of your day. But uh, Lila, I would suggest you start a fire and hunker down, evidently, from what you wow. told me about your weather. <laughs> Jeez. So yeah. Oh, I, yeah. We're, Jackie I'm, has I'm, to build I'm an ark. Let's bring it. Come yeah, we Arizona. need to build it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right exactly all right thank you so much thank you thank you see you later bye-bye oh my gosh we're so pleased that jackie was able to come back and that we were able to do a part three i think it was really really helpful to delve a little bit more into her personal life. And I can't tell Jackie enough how much we appreciate her vulnerability. I hope that somehow her story has helped you with your story. And that if you're struggling to be who you truly are and, and to not be confident, then I, I hope that Jackie's words uh, hit you somewhere in your heart, in your mind, that you can also have the strength to stand up and, and, and just, become visible. It's okay. And we love you. Please let us know if you'd like to share your story. We'd love to hear it. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.